and welcome to the latest Scotswayhe podcast. And it's the first of our best of 2022 podcasts where we are going to look at all things bookish. And I am delighted to be joined once again by Publishing Scotland's Vicky Riley. Hello, Vicky. Hello, Alistair. Good to see <laughs> you again. And you. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> we'll be drinking and talking books. Nothing better than that. So before we get into the individual books, what are the themes and trends that you noticed uh, for 2022? Any spring to mind? Yes. <laughs> this year I've decided is the year of the memoir. Because mm -hmm. I think uh, there was there was just a huge amount of memoirs this year. Most I mean there were I mean obviously there's always celebrity ones and things like that, but within Scottish books, they were mostly about uh, people and certain aspects of their life there was always a theme running through them or or something like that and it was just a, a really rich variety of lives that I've been reading about this year in fact I think I read more non-fiction this year than I have for a, a long long time that's interesting because when you suggested memoirs there was a couple that sprang to mind but after that I was thinking and then I thought well there's a few musical ones as well which you might come on to but uh, that's uh, interesting we will chat about some of those later on but how was the year for you in books in general was it because uh, we always do this and we say that was another cracking year but it really was another cracking year <laughs> no because I was worried because last year there was so there was quite a few books that were like big books from like like sort of big authors yeah yeah Andrew I don't Hayden think was, there was yeah. yeah I don't think there was as many of those this year but there was still a lot of really interesting writing um a lot of them from new names and so you know and which which really shows a, a breadth and depth of the kind of writing that's happening in Scotland so I, I mean even like like normal genres which you sort of think Scotland's really strong in like crime and all that kind of thing I, I kind of had a, a less crimey year this year just because there was such a there was such a diff, there was so much more going on which is great. Very, varied, crimey year, which we'll also talk about later <laughs> on. You know, something a little bit different there. Um, but let's start going through some of the books of the year. I don't know what I started when we were thinking about this, going that came out this year, that came out this year, and then realized that we talked about it last year. A classic example is case study. Because I saw Graham McCray Burnett at Edinburgh Book Festival, I was going to put that down as one of my books of the year, and then I caught a picture of myself holding it. <laughs> from last year's thing going, oh, no, that was one of my books of last year. Did you find that? Well, yeah, because I suppose last year was when the hardbacks came out and this year is when the paperbacks came out. And usually the paperback sells more copies than the than the hardback. So um, a lot of the books that we were, that we did talk about last year were still, because I, I don't know if you know, but I, re, I re, every week mm -hmm. I receive um, sales data from Nielsen Bookscan about um, the books that are set that like a top 250 of books that are selling in Scotland and I create, create a, a Scottish interest chart and that but you see everything that's sold in Scotland and a, a lot of this, the books that we were talking about because they came out in paperback this year were still really high and doing really well and um, so it was it was it was interesting to to see that. Well, I'm going to start with, in fact, no, let's be correct. You're the guest. You start. What was your first book you would like to talk about? God, right, okay. Um, 
Oh, right. Well, well, we'll go fiction first. Yes, fiction first. There's lots of fiction I want to talk about, so let's go with that. Well, see, one of the themes, one of the themes particularly, I don't know if this was a theme in general or if just that happened to become a theme of my reading, was um, women in rage. Okay. <laughs> like angry women, and rightfully so. Um, so um, one of the books that I read earlier on in the year is this one and for for viewers at home or listeners at home i'm holding up old caledonia by elspeth barker which did actually this reprint came ah, I was out say, that's been out a while yeah 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 it's it's, a, it's an old book i think it was published in the 90s at yeah, first that's right. that's right yeah 1991 but it got a new cover treatment and a new introduction by um what was it did she write an introduction or did she just write the blurb no she did write an introduction um, by Maggie O'Farrell mm -hmm. and um, and uh, uh, Feld and Nicholson, who you I don't normally um, uh, think of when I think of folk that sort of delve back in, into backlists, um, but they brought this out um, very late in 2021, so it did really well over Christmas, and it continues to do well. And um, I'd never, I'd never one, I'd never heard of Elspeth Bar Barker, which I'm ashamed to say, <laughs> and. Um, and also this year, which is a shame because this book did so well, um, she died this year. She died earlier in, in 2022. So I'm pleased that she saw that her, and this is her one and only novel. She, only, yeah, she, yeah. Just, she wrote one. And um, so I'm pleased that she got to see before before she died that there was a big resurgence of interest in um, Elspeth Barker. Because my memory is that it did well when it came out, you know, I mean, in, in terms of Scottish fiction, you know, it was talked about with a lot of the other writers that were around in the early 90s. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, as I say, I wasn't aware of it. So, but um, as soon as I saw, like a lot of folk just started talking about it on Twitter um, and I just always saw it on tables when I went into bookshop, which is always a sign that it's a book that's doing well <laughs> if, if bookshops are putting it on tables. Um and so I thought, and I picked it up and read the back, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds great!" So it's it's about if you don't know, if um, listeners or viewers don't know, it's about um, it starts off with a murder. So we're told at the very beginning that this girl has been killed, um, and you in the beginning you kind of think, "Oh, is this going to be a who done it?" And you're going to find out who killed her in the end, which you do. You do find out who killed who killed her in the end, but that's actually not the important part of the book. It's it's more they tell the life story of the of the girl that has been killed, and just oh, it's just heartbreaking, but but and full of just brilliant controlled rage in in Elspeth's writing, just about this 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 girl who is so desperate to find a way to be herself and have the world accept and allow her to be herself, and obviously. You know, it it just didn't, and so she comes to a sticky end. But the, but as I say, the 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 death is kind of weirdly incidental. It's just kind of a, like the sort of because because people's behaviour in this book is so strange, and 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 some elements of strangeness are just accepted as foibles. But it just seems like the world just cannot handle this girl, and it's just a it's just a great book of how difficult it it was back in the day because it's set in the early 20th century for young women especially to forge their own their own path and to be who they want to be 
I must go back and read that again because I think I'm sure I read it when it came out, but I would have to. Uh, uh, yeah, the, the the early nineties. I don't remember much. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> but I will, Glad I'll to hear back, that. I'll go, and, I'll go and check that, that out. Would this fit into your angry woman or what? Oh yes, definitely. Yes. So this is uh-huh. my first choice, and it's Jenny Fagan's Hex, and it's um her entry into the. Oh, what's it called again? Polygons, Darkland Tales. Darklands, yeah. I see both my Darklands are. I, I've lent them to. They're doing the journey in publish in the publishing Scotland office, so I don't have either of them with me. <laughs> but this was, I mean, again, it's fantastic um, novella. I, it. I mean, Jenny Fagan seems to be really having a many moments at the time. Obviously, Luckin' Booth was one of the books of the year last year. This is one of my books this year. There's also her book of poetry, which came out near the end, which I'll, I'll talk about. It's a terrific uh, collection as well. And this kind of fitted in to... It's, it's part historical fiction. It's part science fiction. There's a kind of people um, communicating across space and time. And it's really weird and twisted and exactly as you would expect from a Jenny Fagan book. Um, One of yours, favourites? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the thing, like, a lot of those books that, that, um, all these angry women books that I've been reading, all of them do the rage in a different way, Um, whether it's controlled rage or, you know, flights of fancy rage. But But all of them are, like, sort of meticulous looks at, the cruelty of of the world around them and how and how and how it's treated women in the past, in the present. And that's the and thing, then, isn't it? They they often link certainly hex links the past to the present and you know how little things have changed. Yeah, and the, I I'll, I mean I just love the way Jenny Fagan writes. Like she, like you know that she puts a lot of thought and care and precision in the in the words that she uses and and all that kind of thing but always that's always just such an energetic fearless uh, uh expression and 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 I love the fact that I don't know like her book always seems like it's just like rules who cares about the rules and she flings them out but like and I, I just I love the fearlessness of that Another one um, is this book, Eleanor Knows, um, uh, which I count as Scottish just because the publisher Charcoal Press is based in Edinburgh. But um, for those who don't know, yeah, 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 for those who don't know Charcoal Press, and you should, (laughs) they, they, as I say, they're based in Edinburgh. But what they do is they do English language versions of fiction from South America, um, and Central America, sort of the Hispanic sort of speaking um, countries and, um, in here. Central and South America. Ooh, that's it. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're just, they're going like a train charcoal. And I mean, I didn't know this, but Claudio Pinheiro, I hope I've pronounced that right. She's like a superstar in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just goes to show about the profile that charcoal are building for themselves, that they are taken on and being trusted with big name authors from South America to be the person that brings them into the English language um, uh, community. And this book is about a woman whose daughter has killed herself, but she's determined to find out that, well, she thinks that she didn't kill herself and that something 
more suspicious has happened. But it's really the day, it's a day in her life of her going to try and visit, going to visit this other woman who she thinks will have the answer to her, her daughter's death. And the, the mother is really, um, she, I think she, is it MS or Parkinson's? I can't remember. Well, that's terrible. But it's a, it's a, she's got a degenerative disease. And so it's really, really hard for her to, to, to be in the physical world. Like she has to take tablets so that she can walk, that she can travel, that she can t to do anything. And so it's really about this day where she travels into the city to try and speak to this woman. And it, in the end, they do meet and they do talk and there and there's a, a do no on and you do find out what actually happened. And it's shocking. It's shocking. But it also, again, it's, it's about women's roles in society and um, freedom and how difficult it is to, 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 to live free. And, and it's all about the different constraints. She obviously has her health restraints, but there's also other restraints about class and care and, 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 and um, what's expected of women to, to behave. And it's just fantastic. It's, it's one of those books that when you, when you close it, you're kind of like, Jesus. <laughs> Well, it's funny you should say that, and I will talk about this now. I'm going to do it later, but similarly from Charcoal, it's Sylvia Malloy, Dislocations, translated by Jennifer Croft. And on the cover, it says one of the most lucid writers of Latin America, and again, a big literary star, which it shows you the great work that Charcoal are doing, because I wouldn't have read this, you know, if I hadn't been sent a copy to review. And uh, again, it's dealing with... Um, problems when language, uh, there's a character whose friend, the central character narrator, her friend is got Alzheimer's and is slowly slipping away to that. So she often language becomes a problem and even latterly eating becomes a problem, you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, but it's the deterioration of the memory that's perhaps the most uh, uncomfortable uh, because the central character then thinks, well, if, if the, that side of memory is gone, shared memory, and only you have it left, what does it mean? What does it mean to have a memory that the other person no longer shares? Um, beautifully written book, absolutely stunning. And, a, and, you know, I don't read a lot of translated fiction, but it's because it's probably not presented to me, but actually I'm going to read a lot more charcoal books because it's clear that what they're doing is just so, so interesting. Yeah, and they do such a variety of different kinds of writing as well. And obviously because each of the places in South America will have their own traditions and culture and, and uh, genres that, that, that work for them. So, yeah, go on, Charcoal. Absolutely. <laughs> we have um, other books that you were yes. going to talk about. Uh, I don't have it with me. Um, again, I've, I've lent it out, um, but it's a debut. And it's by an independent publisher called Blue Moose. Big shout out to Blue Moose, um, who are based in Northern England. And it's called I Am Not Your Eve. And um, it's by uh, Devika Panambalam. I think I mentioned it as one to look out for um, this year, last year. <laughs> and it's a book about, um, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. But um, it's, the, it's a woman that features heavily in the paintings of Paul Gauguin. 
and it's told from her point of well it's told from multiple point of views it's told from her point of view it's told from Gauguin's daughter's point of view who's still in Paris and wondering where the hell her dad is <laughs> and um and and then there's a lot of the history and myth making from the Tahitian culture that um that um the the women in the paintings come from and it it and it asks a lot of questions about you know about how can somebody really like who thinks that they know these people because he's portraying them in art and but like this but there's nothing there's nothing in the art that goes into the, like the deep deep history of 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 this culture and and it's about you know the, how somebody you know the the trot was no the the pram in the hall is is that is, yeah, is that yeah, like yeah. Cyril Connolly Connolly or something That's like right, that yeah. but like um you know like this artist has gone off to the to the southern hemisphere and his family are back in Paris and they want him back but then there's a there's an anger there particularly from the wife it's just really really it's just it's it's, it's really well done and again like the anger isn't overt but mm. it's there and um and it also gives voice to a culture that was maybe not fully explored in the way that Gauguin maybe thought he was doing by painting painting the, the people in these places. I wonder, I mean, we spoke about Hex talking from history to today. And I wonder if you could say the same thing about Sarah Smith's Hear No Evil, you know, which yeah. is um, based on a terrible true case where someone was seen throwing a baby into the, the Clyde, um, but she was uh, deaf and the, at the time there was no one to help uh, take a statement or even, you know, to help be a, a lawyer for her side and, and how that unfolds and then it turns into, you know, quite a thriller and uh, as it does. But at the heart, um, Sarah is basically um, helping to comment on again how things how things change so much today you know the problems that people face often uh, with uh, various disabilities and how and how society looks at them because yeah. i mean it was before you know like sign language and, and all that kind of thing was properly sort of introduced for for the for the deaf community so it was yeah it was it was really interesting about that and and also um yeah, the like how communities sort of um because the people people like neighbors who might know more of the yeah. truth and they weren't as, as answering any of the questions and I felt really sorry for the, the poor man that was trying to help her because he was just like, just tell me what I need to know. <laughs> That's a terrific book. It's again one of my favorites of the year. Um uh, yeah, I, I look forward to see what Sarah Smith does. Well, another debut as well. I don't think we've spoken. Yeah, it is another debut, um, and we've got a few more that we'll speak about. But uh, you know, with your theme, is there any others that you would like to talk about? Well, I mean, I mean, some uh, of these books not, might... not not with the angry lady because the other angry lady ones were are, were not specifically like from from a writer based in Scotland or anything like that. So. Uh, I read other other like non-Scottish ones, and I think that's going to be a theme next year too. Right. To be honest, you know, it's fair enough. <laughs> like, there's a lot to be angry about. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I was just thinking there, actually, and I'm going to show this because I've lent my mum the copy of the book, uh, Karen Campbell's Paper Cup. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Which, you know, 
is at its heart commenting on how people get lost in the system with addiction, with simply bad luck, with all sorts of things. And then, uh, you know, the central character is in Glasgow and homeless and, you know, gets taken advantage of. There's some heartbreaking writing in it. Um, you know, the way that she's treated by people um, who just either ignore her or sometimes much, much worse or walk by. Um, and it's a real, it's a kind of, it's a, it is a journey because, you know, she goes back to Galloway and kind of where she's from originally. And uh, and it's, again, beautifully written and a real, some of it a real advert for the Galloway tourist board. But at its <laughs> heart, there is Karen's kind of real anger and frustration that certain things are allowed to be that way um, after all this time. See, the... The, the section particularly and because you're rooting for because she she is somebody that's that that is troubled and insecure and there's reasons for her insecurity and how she how how she's reacted to them and the bad decisions that she's made in her life and then that section in Wigtown when she goes to Wigtown yeah oh I, that that was because you by the pop it's quite late on in the book by the time she gets there and so you're you've been really like following her and rooting for her, and then she makes a few bad decisions in Wigtown, and you're just like, no, come on, you're so close. Oh yeah, it's, it's such a great book. Yeah, it's the kind of almost just before the final act, it yeah. takes you in a direction that you really weren't expecting or hoping. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Well, we said that Sarah Smith's um, Here No Evil was a debut, so let's talk a little bit about debuts. Do you have some that you want to? To bring up debuts more debuts um well uh there was a lot of um i think another big theme this year which we could probably talk about is the the rise of dystopian fiction i mean i actually think sci-fi is a bit of an underestimated genre that's really strong in scotland i think it's actually been strong for a very for actually much longer than just recently uh, for um, a long time, people just went uh, Matthew Fit, Button Ben, and Gogo, and then a couple of others. But you're absolutely right. People were writing science fiction and still yeah, are writing science fiction. Yeah, I, like, yeah. Like translation, you maybe just didn't get to to find it mainstream, for want of a better term. Yeah, but like you know, Ken McLeod has been plowing away for years. Yeah. Charles Stross, the like folk like that. But I think um, there's there's been such a I think it's understandable with the last few years that maybe folk, when they when they're writing about how the world is at the moment, they they turn to dystopia, um, and so um, we've got this one. There's a debut. Yes, I've got that as well. Where am I? That's it. I just read this the last couple of weeks, actually. The Pharmacist by Rachel yeah. Attala. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I read that earlier on this year. See, that's the, the the great thing about doing the books from Scotland website is that you do get sent a lot of books uh, earlier than their um, than their publication. Yeah, which it was a terrifying it, book, isn't it? Really? Yeah, and and it, I think the 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 um, the mood of it is created by the tone in which it's written. Like, there's no. Is so calm and and empathetic, and there's just like this sort of straight down the line. Oh, I don't even. I don't think it's deadpan. That's not what. But there's like just such an understated tone to the narrator, and um, and as if like 
all this is like inevitable and just you know you just accept it and even though there's it's horrendous like the stuff the stuff that they're living through but that makes it more terrifying because it's just like this is what it's like the the tone of it was so like clear and open-eyed but uh, yeah it was it was and so you were just like oh that's what made it more unsettling because <laughs> she stays calm in the most terrible of circumstances you know yeah yeah and these awful things happen to to not just her but a lot of the other characters as well and you know she's placed in a dilemma but like it and you and and there's so much there's so much you know that there's so much underneath all the characters in there like of what happened before they were all in the bunker but she doesn't really go into it and so it and which is good I think because it adds this element of mystery in that you really don't know how the characters are going to react to all the situations that they're in and then they sometimes they they do shocking things and you're just like that's not a decision you should have made <laughs> you're absolutely right about the secondary characters being so you know you've got this kind of weird bunk bed situation and you've got this couple below and the, the wife's an absolute delight who takes her to <laughs> Berlin and you know and all takes it kind of oh it. she was lovely yeah, I was just yeah. like god the, the simple pleasures that you have to find in such a horrendous circumstance but I said about it that this is science fiction but horrifically you know you could imagine in a few years time it's just fiction don't say that <laughs> just please don't say but, that maybe I was just in that mood while I was reading it <laughs> Or it produced that mood in me. I'm not quite sure uh, <laughs> which. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Um, dystopian fiction this year, probably for the, all the reasons you suggest, was really big. And one which I didn't know this at all was D.D. Johnson's Disneyland. Right, uh-huh. And it yeah, is I've... dystopia, but kind of set again in a very recognisable uh, future where, you know, things have gone over the tipping point, but Again, it wouldn't take much imagination to think, oh, is this is this coming soon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was the first thing I'd met, I'd read from uh, DD, and we had him on the podcast, and uh, uh, he was. Is, that a, is that a debut as well? I don't think it is. I think he's said novels out before, and I remember um, speaking to him. He's certainly been writing before. I don't know whether that is or not. But, uh, yeah, it says here he writes books, plural, that are funny as hell, so I'm presuming he's uh, he's written others, and I would like to check them out further. But this is also very funny. It's kind of like um, if the guys from Still Game had written a dystopian, uh, you know, novel. There's lots of weird kind of characters in the community, you know, and, uh, and it's class-ridden, and it's... Uh, but it's, it's how people start to at its heart it's it's got a positive message that people will even in the worst of times hopefully start to come together and help each other but it's very good it's darkly darkly comic and uh, yeah I would check that out D.D. Johnson Disneyland <laughs> yeah another one which I read recently that you kind of maybe because it was set in Edinburgh I don't know but like <laughs> Um, you kind of was like it kind of felt that you know like you said that it could it could happen soon which is this one by Dan uh, Daniel all right okay I'm reading this right now so no all right. <laughs> and I'm really enjoying it because it's, it's 
it's so ah, it's so weird to begin with. I don't know how it kind of goes out, but that yeah. Explain what it's what's going on without spoiling. Yeah, so Model Citizens by Daniel Shand. Um, it's set in Edinburgh. It's 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 set in an Edinburgh where Fife has been exploded. <laughs> Fife doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and uh, so you know Edinburgh is 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 full of these um, Fife refugees so there's been this big traumatic event um in Fife and then you've also got the um there's it's quite futuristic because it's got these various things and one of the things is that you create a clone of yourself called what was it called again the the, the junior the junior aye yeah. so you're you, so if you've got a clone the clone is called junior and you're a senior if you have a clone and so you can send the junior home, uh, like to your work, and and they do your work for you, and all that kind of stuff. But also, you're also plugged into this sort of social media landscape where you have to build your stats, which is where you how you yeah. build your status within within the world that we're living in. Um, and and all this is has been um, uh, created by this mad technocratic crazed gazillionaire Elon Musk <laughs> I was just going to say that that sounds familiar <laughs> and um, and he's Scottish too and um, and so 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 he's in it too because he's going to he's he's trying to get to Mars and um, and uh, then well, there's a all twist I didn't see happening so that's interesting oh, sorry <laughs> oh, no 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 that's fine <laughs> So well, yeah. So he's kind of, and there there doesn't seem to be any government in it as well. Like like this this system that's been created just is kind. Everybody just sort of self governs themselves by being within this sort social media place where you 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 build your stats, and then things. I don't know how far you you you're, you're into it. And he's um, just to put it some way. One of the characters has just been dumped, and his stats may suffer as a result. So quite early right. on. So you're quite. So you are still quite early on. And then there's also this this sort of anarchist terrorist group called the the ninety seveners who are nostalgic because they see the nineties as this glory period that we should hark back to. <laughs> Are they set up and is it Summer Hall? It's something. It's... It does sound like that is what I had in my head. Like I totally pictured Summer Hall as well. I was like, yeah, they're all living in Summer Hall. <laughs> so like I was totally Thinking picturing about the their 90s. windows. Yeah, like facing out to the meadows and all that kind of stuff. And and then something happens other than being dumped. Something else happens to the oh. Alistair, <laughs> the main character, um, which. And and the thing that happens to him is something unexpected, and it and he tries to, um, uh, like project it onto social media and say, "Look at this," and uh, then all hell break, breaks loose, and so he has to go on a journey to sort of um, see if he could like if see if something can be solved. So I won't I won't say any more, but um, I'm looking but forward it's, to it. It's hooked yeah, me already. Yeah, it's but but it's because the it's because of the Edinburgh setting and and the fact that Fife just blew up. <laughs> I hope Fife doesn't blow up, by the way. But it was it's very plausible. Like Disneyland, because they set it in real settings in uh, in Scotland. You know, you do have that feel about things. Yeah. yeah. 
And there's this, I don't know if you've got to this bit, there's this really horrific new mode of transport where you, in effect, drug yourself and uh, then these drivers, like, just pick you up and you're in, in your comatose state and take you where you want to go. And, and, and I'm just like, how did this catch on? <laughs> thing as well. The pouch thing oh, yeah. really, uh, <laughs> Very good. Um, quite different to me from uh, Daniel's other... Uh, is it Daniel? Have I got the right name? Yeah, Daniel Shan's uh, uh, previous book. So I, I'm really looking forward to finishing it. Yeah, because no, he's the crocodile. I've not read yeah, that one. Yeah, so this no, is the first of his... Book. I, I yeah. remember it being more of a kind of almost dark young adult book. Um, I mean, it's a while since I've read it, so I hope that's not a mistake. We'll talk about Ever Dundas's Hell Sands, another of my books of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, I think this like there's two there's two books that 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 I've got beside me that are that that are that are vying for my favourite book of the year, and the, and Ooh. I think Hell Sands is definitely yes. one of them. There's there's quite a lot of similarities, I think, to Hell Sands and Model Citizens, where. The, the world is quite similar and I think they tackle similar themes, but they do it in wildly different ways. There's a sort, because of that Edinburgh Fife element to model citizens, that kind of feels more rooted in the in the real world. Whereas Hell Sands is just well, such I mean, a feat of imagination. I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> but in such a brilliant, joyous, imaginative, explorative way. I, I just... I was blown away by it. There are still reference, real world reference. I think someone's got a Pearl Jam CD and there's a kind of, oh, deep, yeah. you know, there are little bits like that that kind of drag you into, this isn't so removed, although it kind of, well, is it? I'm not sure again. Um, <laughs> is there more or less bodily fluids in Daniel's book? Oh, or in, there never, is much more, <laughs> there is much more bodily fluids in Ever's book than there is in Daniel's book. <laughs> I was just going to say, I spoke to Ever about this and she did say that her editor said, could you take some of this? And so so I must can admit, imagine what it was like. <laughs> I must admit, even though there's so much vomit in it, there was a scene in particular, and you'll probably know the scene that I'm talking about, where this is the only time while reading a book, I've been reading a fight scene and I've been like screaming at the book, vomit on her, vomit on her. <laughs> and Another interesting thing about it is you can read it. There's two central characters whose yeah. uh, lives cross over, but you could read it, you know, back to front, if you know what I mean, you know, the second part first. Um, yeah, it's an astonishing, as you say, feat of imagination. It just You just get the sense that ever just, there was glee writing this. Yeah. Book. Absolute glee. Yeah, like the pace of it, the action-packedness of it. Like it was just such a thrill ride, and and maybe like and so full of ideas as well. Just but because like it's such a breakneck speed, you're you, you probably don't like realize just how many ideas are packed into it about technology, about our bodies, about power, and about yeah. how how we like interact with each other and love and and desire and and ambition and and morality like your own sense of morality and and oh it's just there's just so much in it it's just so full so full and should say at its heart is this idea that there's a font 
that brings makes people high unless you're allergic and then you're really in trouble and and you know it's just a it's such a brilliant idea uh, and again you know i loved goblin it was such a great uh, novel and it's so great to have ever done das back and, and writing like this because it's she's just one of the best I've got I don't another... think anybody. Sorry, sorry, but I, I just like the characters as well. There's such a fearlessness in how demented her characters are as well. <laughs> like she'll just go there, and I just love it. <laughs> I uh, was reviewing it, and I said it's like J.G. Ballard meets the David, the body horror of David Cronenberg, and I think that's <laughs> absolutely right. It's proper sci-fi in many spaces, and really classy and beautifully written, and all you know, it's big on ideas and big on philosophy and all of those things. And then you've got like scanners or, uh, you know, whatever early David Cronenberg uh, movie might come in. So for fans of those, you know, you're in for an absolute... Every mention of every bit of skin cracking, I was just picturing scanners. <laughs> and I was just like, this is really horrible. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't read it. I guess it is almost horror fiction, isn't it? And I don't tend to read a lot of horror anymore. I was a big fan when I was young, like Stephen King and, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, this is sci-fi horror in a, in a kind of brilliant way. Dark as anything. Yeah. And so is this next novel, which I want to mention, because um, again, we had him on the podcast, Nick Holstock's Quarantine, right. which kind of moves around the world with these re- very dark people are basically getting quarantined after, you know, a global... A, pandemic and spread and different people are treated very differently and one of the characters looking for a cure and other characters are in really camps similar to the bunker and the pharmacist you know that kind of thing um it's very sensual um again a bit like ever's novel it, it, it kind of attacks you with horror at times uh, you're off how things should be and quite rightly so because these are horrible horrible situations that we're being asked to imagine um, it was really interesting to talk to Nick and to hear more about uh, quarantine. I'd almost forgotten that, that this book was out this year, but when you'd mentioned kind of dystopian, I went, aha, that's also one. I don't, in a way, well, I don't know, because this is the thing. I bet you all these books were probably, or they were at least started pre-pandemic, yeah. and yet they feel so prescient because that's of it. Yeah, well, we are kind of applying our situation onto these books and saying, ah, they must be this. But nearly everyone I've spoken to said, oh, no, I started it in, you know, 2019 or something like that. Like the, maybe it's just like the, the cultural firmament in the air. <laughs> this was coming. Now, I want to talk about uh, another couple of debuts, if that's okay with yourself. Okay with me. Um, now, you see, never judge a book by the cover, right? <laughs> it's difficult. As you know, it's difficult. And I, have to I say, don't believe in that phrase. <laughs> when I picked up Kenny Boyle's The Tick and Talk of the Crocodile. Oh, right, uh-huh. I just wasn't sure um, what I was going to think about it. But actually, it's the most sensitive and kind of beautiful take on depression and suicide and manic and, and all sorts of things. And when I started it, I didn't expect that. And by the end, I was I'm nearly in tears. I mean, it's it's beautifully written. Um, Kenny's probably better known, well he is better known as a, a, an actor, uh, and he's been in film and TV and theatre, but I think this is, it is his debut novel, and I mean there's nothing wrong with that cover, it just wasn't for the book that I ended up reading, do you know what I mean? 
Um, so that, that was a, a really interesting debut for me, which has stuck with me kind of throughout the year. Yeah, it's good when that happens, isn't it? When, like, you just catch yourself thinking about about it and it's like the world, the world that they've created still exists in your brain. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I wonder how they're getting on. <laughs> the characters who really do fall for these these uh, characters who are so relatable. And again, that whole thing about being relatable about um, a Daniel, Daniel Shan's book been set in Edinburgh, which kind of made you relate. This is set not just in Glasgow, but a lot of it in the south side of Glasgow, literally like... about five or ten minutes walk from here. I could go to the cafe and all that kind of stuff. And there is something really... Uh, lovely about that, you know. I played a song on the radio yesterday, which mentions Kathkin Braze, which is very near where I was brought up. And my mum was going, "I've never heard Kathkin Braze mentioned on a song before." But there is something, you know. But you'd be wrong to deny that there's a kind of extra aspect of that. I think. <laughs> now, I, I, which I could also put into the next debut, which I wanted to talk about, which is Ryan O'Connor's. Oh yes. The Voids, and I'll say it now because I've said it elsewhere, this is my book of the year. I absolutely adore this book. Um, it's so... I think that will probably appear in a lot of book, book of the year lists. I think I said that, Tom. <laughs> I mean, there was a fantastic launch, which I was very honoured to chair through in Edinburgh, and uh, um, so we got to chat with Ryan afterwards, and uh, I, it was a great event, and it was great to... to it's a great Glasgow novel. For your debut to be a genuinely great novel is uh, saying something. Um, again, kind of J.G. Ballard, but you follow this character who is making his way almost like some, a, almost kind of James Joyce, making his way over a weekend round at the city and the characters that he meets and the places that he goes and the thoughts that he has and a and there is humour in it as well, despite oh, yeah. the darkest stuff that you're probably going to read this year. Um, and it's not science fiction this time around. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's real people's real lives, the drama of real people's everyday lives. Um, yeah, I absolutely love The Voids. I could probably go on about it for the rest of the podcast, but I'm already noticing that we are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th I think because, you know, if you sort of said to somebody... Oh, it's Glasgow. It's it's uh, alcoholism. It's uh, you know high rise flats. People would probably assume, oh, I've read that before. Yeah, you really but have. it's absolutely like, and and even for a book that's got such sort of grim, dark subject matter, there was something in Ryan's writing. I don't know how he does it. There was such energy to it, like such propulsive energy to it that you never felt you were being dragged down into into the depths that obviously the character was was feeling but even then like you don't get the sense that the character was enjoying what he was doing and, and like there was there was a there's and then like paper cup you were like why do you continue to make bad decisions <laughs> but at times they do and it's not about a judgment i think that's the thing it's not about yeah. morally judging or any kind of judging this is the life that the central character has at the moment and it's just sheerly expressing it and setting it out on the page but there's so many moments of tenderness in it as well oh. that it's really moving. Uh, it 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 totally it was really unexpected because I I did kind of go into it going right. Uh, I I I know what 
I'm expecting here, it's but it just wasn't that. And it's just not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it wasn't it's, that at all. It's, it's a part of Glasgow that I think are part of Glasgow, places in Glasgow, people of Glasgow that really haven't been written about before. You may think they have, but they haven't, and not in this way, not in this understanding and, as you say, tender and, and affectionate way. Usually it's just, you know, ugh, drink, drugs, you know, all aspects of, of in, are in the book, but not, there's no judgment there, which I absolutely love. I think uh, it's a, what, I can't wait to see what Ryan does next because. Oh, totally, totally. Music uh, start. Beat that, as they say. <laughs> I don't know if I can. No pressure, Ryan, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> right. Are we still talking fiction? We're still talking fiction because quickly yeah. I want to rush through a few others that I wanted, you know, briefly mention. So I'll just so quickly I'll just also this is another um it falls into the debut it falls into the dystopian as well though it's a it's a different kind of dystopia because it's not actually it does it feels kind of it could be in the future but it, it's just it's a book that's set in this a, a cinema like this really dilapidated sort of seen better days cinema and um. Uh, and like ever Dundas's book as well, it's full of bodily functions. <laughs> now, I, I, you haven't mentioned what it is yet for listeners. I have to remind you. Oh, sorry, have I not? Sorry, it's called Children of Paradise by Camilla Grudova. Mm. And um, Paradise is the name of the cinema that it's set in. And it's just a sort of ragtag bunch of, of people who aren't really looking for proper jobs as, as you say and they, they've found themselves in this sort of cinema that's a little less loved than it should be but it's 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 told in this sort of hallucinatory gothic strange way in which weird things happen and and uh, and and the 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 fate of the cinema just gets worse and worse and worse and but it's all again it's it's tender because it's about like that sort of loneliness of people that are starting out into their sort of adulthood and all that kind of thing, and how you some you, you sort of find yourselves in this group of people. But it's also, I mean, I don't. I'm probably, I'm definitely not as much of a cinephile as um, Camilla is. I think actually she works in the cameo, and that's what I kept picturing <laughs> in my head when I was reading this book. But there's so much like there's a total love letter to the cinema as well. Um, and it's just it's just it's just a really great book. And like Ever's book, I quite like all these all all like talking about the stink of things and 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 all that kind of visceral, sensual quality to it all. Because you know it's part of life. <laughs> well, that's a perfect book for me to then talk about Kirsty Wishart's The Projection. Ah, right, okay. Uh-huh. For me, which is again is a love letter, not just to cinema, to, but to cinemas. You know, the kind you would find in seaside towns, bit run down now, um, that might show old black and white movies and still yeah. have people on. It's, it's All these it's, old art deco buildings. Yeah, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it's like British seaside town, if written by um, Hitchcock. You know, there's Hitchcockian vibes, there's twists and MacGuffins and all sorts of things going on. Great characters. Um Kirsty Wishart, again, so with Rhymer Books, I should say, they published uh, The Knitting Station, which was a previous book. Um, I think this is a step up. I think this is a real step up for Kirsty. I just absolutely loved it. It's Again, it's funny. 
it's quirky. Um, if you love cinema, if you like cinema, then you'll absolutely love it. Classic cinema in particular, you know, the it's it's got um, a picture of Citizen Kane on the cover and that kind of thing. So if you like your kind of black and white classic cinema and the stars off the stage and screen there, then uh, this is great. Set in a town called Seacrest, which has a year-long movie festival. It never stops. So it brings in film buffs from all over the year and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but there's lots of kind of, a bit like an Ian Banks book, there's lots of family agitation and there's history and things that happened in childhood and all that comes in. So, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it as well. I like Kirsty Wishart. She kind she sort of just like quiet, a sort of quiet, deadpan, but left field sideways glance at the world. I, 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 I just really like the way she looks at things <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah it's 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 different from other people and nobody kind of writes like her which is really nice <laughs> have you got while we're still on fiction do you have anything else you want to to bring up oh uh well will we go on to the to the big event books now well oh, i didn't know we were doing big event books <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah let's do that <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, you know, because we were talking earlier on about how there were there was fewer big event, like sort of right. big name books, but I think there was two in particular. I mean, there's probably more, but <laughs> but um, I think I can uh, think of at least one more, which we'll talk about. Uh, so things two. that they were they were much anticipated. So first of all, there was ah, the yes. much anticipated um, follow up to uh, the cutting room. Louise yes. Welsh's The Second Cut, yeah, um, which was the first book that I read in 2022. I think it might have been mine as well. <laughs> what, what's the anniversary? 20 years, is that right? Is it 20 years? Uh, you, you continue talking and I'll check. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's, it's, it's a welcome back to, to, to Rilke. Oh, who, I love Rilke. What a great character. I know. And he's... He's older and more grizzled. Um, is he wiser? I think he is a little bit wiser. <laughs> he's older, and I think with that brings a lot of the things that go with it. He's less <laughs> likely to be. I mean, he's still quite outrageous in places, but he's less yeah. like. I mean, the party he ends up at. Oh God, that's, that's such amazing. a funny scene. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it reminds you what a fantastic um, writer Louise is with such a kind of twinkle in her eye when she's writing a lot of this stuff it's like there's a whole lot of twinkle in the eye with this whole book um, yeah. not just that see because the world has changed particularly yes. um in the lbgt community since... you say it's modern day yeah because it's set in present day isn't it yeah, or yeah. as need enough exactly, um, yeah, has the pandemic yeah the pandemic sort it's of happened there's talk chat about masks and shit isn't yes, there yeah, yeah. uh-huh so and so Rilke has seen the what the like Glasgow and the world really change in the in the last 20 years. Um and like how I, I love how when he comes up against the sort of current generation of, of those in the LBGT community and how their confidence and fearlessness um projects itself and he and, and he because he comes from a, a time where he had to be a little bit more covert about about um about his sexual yeah, absolutely yeah and, and... i think it probably is 20 years let's say it is and if i'm wrong i'll put an apology i've got a feeling it it, it, it is it, that's when the first one came out yeah and and so I, I like that 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 push and pull between the two characters the the two generations where you know there there's 
but also there's a strange mourning for the loss of that sort of secret, more secret world or, um, that, that of days gone by as well. It's it's a really interesting. It's really interesting. I think that's partly the you know the older persons, a bit like my early nineties. You know, looking back fondly on things that were probably in some ways not very good at all. But you thought, ah, oh, but you know, the nostalgia is a heady, heady. <laughs> it is, isn't it? So I mean, but that's just that's just a part of it. Obviously, you've got, you know, you've got your baddie, your big baddie, and then you've got these mysterious deaths happening that um and because one is one of his friends that dies, Rilke comes in to to sort of see if he can get to the bottom of why his friend died the way he did. So there's a you know there's a he there's heavy element of mystery and crime solving and all that kind of thing, and plus the the world of the auction house which and um, secondary characters again you yeah know, characters. yeah because that's a, not a world that I'm that I know a lot about but I love reading about it as well and going into rich people's house and just picking out over <laughs> all their goods and things it just sounds mad to me. I know, it's, it's amazing. No, it was great to have Rilke back. It was great to have Louise Welsh back. And uh, yeah, a, a fantastic read. Uh, Absolutely. And the second much anticipated book of this year was probably Young Mungo. Um, Douglas Stewart has quickly become a superstar, hasn't he? Has. I want, did you see the um, Imagine that was on the other I night? I did. With yeah. uh, what's his name? Oh, I forget. Who does it? Who does it? Alan, no, is it Alan, Alan Yentob? Yeah. yeah, who looked terrified on the weekend in Glasgow, and he was like, "Oh!" And he was in Walking like, through the barrows, sweet shot going. What's going on here? Very funny, but it's actually really good. And they had Lulu reading some of the books. No, she was really good actually. I was surprised at how good she was um, yeah. doing the like. Get her doing the audio book. <laughs> but um, yeah. I I have to admit I haven't read it, which That's is really right. bad of me, but there you go. I, I will, I've got a copy up there, but you know, it was interesting, <clears throat> maybe you can talk about this from with your publishing hat on, that um, when it came out, it was everywhere. You know, it was in every bookshop, I think there was even independent bookshop editions, and wow, they really did a hell of a marketed job on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you can do so, <laughs> when you've when you've got a budget you behind you. You know, I like, but I like to see that. I like to see um, folk doing things that 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 make books feel like events. You know, because because people that aren't even in the book sort of that consider themselves booky will then become aware of it. You know, like you know. We, you know, for example, that, you know, that like when the Testaments, Margaret Atwood's The Testaments came out and they were like shining big light things on London, um, big London buildings and all right. that kind of thing. You were just like, okay, that probably cost a shit ton. And actually, how many more books does that actually sell? But at the same time, I, I like... I like things to be made to feel like an event. So I liked the fact that you would go into a Waterstones and like they'd made up like a like a, a fake ducat <laughs> to like to go in and pretend that you're like, you're talking to your pigeons or whatever. I, I, you know, I, you, you like to see that because folk will be like, what's that all about? And then they get told about it. And I, I, so, you know, sometimes you, you, you want that kind of excitement 
because you know books are they're not just up against themselves they're up against games they're up against films they're up against yeah, telly no, they're absolutely. up against everything so i guess my worry is that when they're so everywhere that it stops anyone else who's got a book out that week from maybe getting <laughs> you know attention you know well, but you know, you're, 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 maybe that's going to happen anyway i don't know but I understand it. I understand the economics of it. And when there's something is so big, as you say, in two books, he's become an absolute superstar. Then I, I, I do, I do get it. I just, you know, it's a bit and like he well, was like the hardest working man in show business on those like two weeks that it was first out as well. I think he was in a different bookshop every day for a fortnight. <laughs> you just, you just have to, yeah. No, I, I like this because the thing is, so. Well, or what I or what I did as a, work, working for an independent publisher, or what other independent publishers can do, when you see that, when you see the sheer amount of effort that's put into a single book, you know, right? I we can never ever do that because we just don't have the budget. But you just extrapolate the ideas, extra, extrapolate what uh, uh, the the build up, the 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 build up of buzz and all that kind of thing. You say okay, well, how can I figure that out into my own space? Into you Because, you you know, you, you know that's what a printer is for, a colour printer. You just need a colour printer. <laughs> just, you can, and, and you You've just... You've seen the price of ink. <laughs> so... that, that's going to bankrupt most independent public. <laughs> yeah, but I know so what you mean. Right. I know what you mean. Um... But there are ways of making things feel like an event to booksellers without spending HUD's money as oh. well. So you just, I, I always, I always want independent publishers to see that as inspiration because even what, even when I did work in publishing, I always, I would always start when I was thinking of ideas and things, I, and, and it was always the same in a meeting or whatever. I'd be like, we could do this, and I would say the most outlandish things, <laughs> and so you, you say the big idea, and then you're just like, well, and then you, from that big idea, you sort of pull it back to, to the thing that you can you can afford to do yeah. because that's because that's how you have to get attention for your book there are there are publishers who are very very good at that do you know yeah, there are yeah no absolutely right yeah, there, there absolutely are but so, um this maybe takes me to my i've got two i've now i'm now classifying them as big events <laughs> they, they really are um and one a publisher who really does know and we'll talk more about them later who know how to get things out there is white rabbit books ah yes um, david Keenan's latest industry of magic and light. I've not got the same, it's in my bedroom though. <laughs> which took us back to Airdrie, but even earlier than a Memorial Device. And I think this might be David's most accessible book so far. I mean, it's nuts and everything, but maybe it's because I'm used to... Uh, maybe uh, anything after Monument Maker would seem accessible. <laughs> <laughs> seem portable compared to that. Um, yeah, I just I love this book. I love going to the kind of weirdness of a sixties and seventies Airdrie and all the, the kind of thing. The way that it's done is going through uh, objects which are found, which have been kept and curated, and that's how the story unfolds. And it can be the, the, those simple things like a bubblegum wrapper. Yeah. To yeah. uh, posters for events and things that may or, as always with David, may or may not happen. <laughs> all of those kind of things. And then it goes to Afghanistan at the end, and there's somehow these things are linked because it's highlighted or, 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 or um, 
you know it's mentioned in the first part. I, I, yeah, maybe I'm just getting more used to reading Keenan. Yeah. But I thought this is the most accessible book. I, if someone said, where can I start? I would probably say Memorial Vice yeah. to start with. But um, this is such a great prequel to it. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. That, and that's the, that, and that's the thing. Because, because it was set in the 60s and, you know, I'm a bit of a sort of 60s geek. Uh, and so I was really looking forward to this one because it does talk about you know the the, the sort of the, the happenings and the cultural things that were going on and the weird things that people were doing and that were you know harking back to to uh, like uh, like the the, the avant garde scene and the music scene and psychedelics and all that kind of stuff and it's so yeah this was total manna from heaven for me and I love the idea of a biography told by because well, that is kind of what it was. It was like yeah. a biography told in objects. Mm -hmm. um, but I, and again, but what as with David Keenan, he sort of invites you into a world that's that is at once totally familiar and completely just out of this world as yeah. well. <laughs> and I, I love the juxtaposition. Like I don't think he sets out to represent um like working class culture or whatever but the notion like it blows my mind because it still happens that people think that working class people don't have culture or don't do culture I mean I don't think you've been paying attention if you I, I genuinely do not understand how anybody can possibly think that but these books just show that you know when folk you know uh, like want to find the joy and want to find freedom in another way then culture is what they go to, and and it's just, I just, it's brilliant. You always know, oh, the mad guy that does that. <laughs> it's like, oh, see him. What? <laughs> it's like, yeah, and, and we know so many of these characters. It's so, it's just so ingrained in us all, and it just, it blows my mind that that folk think that you know, folk, uh, working class people are just all about Love Island or. And no, 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 there's anything bloody wrong. Well, actually, I have no yeah. idea. I don't watch Love Island. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably not the best example. But... I know, I know, it was rubbish. I don't even know. I don't even watch it myself. But, <laughs> but yeah. The other big event, and I think makes not just the point that you've made, but also is maybe the anti-Young uh, Monroe is James Kelman had a novel out this oh, year. Of course, and yeah. Spoke about it. And it's a brilliant novel. It's funny as anything. It's relaxed. Am I right? Am I it's... right in that the publisher is an American publisher? Publisher is PM Press in Oakland. Uh, yep. Yeah. And that might be the reason that it's not yeah. done anything here. They also publish a lot of his nonfiction as well, I noticed when I was on their website. And it may be that being on an American publisher, he reaches more people just by the amount of you know folk that are but out. Isn't that know. how he started off as well? Like, wasn't yeah, his first... But... Yeah, like, so in a weird, weird, weird way, it's kind of like full circle. I, I think that would probably appeal to him. Um, but that means UK publishing scene, if you're watching, yeah. <laughs> that if PM Press has the English language rights, then maybe the UK and Ireland ones are up for sale. <laughs> well, a little bit of advice there uh, from our sponsor. <laughs> um, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, one of my favourite books of the year, again, um, the story of Jack Proctor. See if this sounds familiar. Jack Proctor, a celebrated older writer and curmudgeon who goes off to residency where he is to be honoured, teach and give public readings. 
uh, he was a banker prize-winning author back in the day. So clearly this is so, uh, Hellman, it's unbelievable. And I, I think it makes a really lovely companion with Kevin Smith Boy, which is clearly Kelman as a boy, that all he gets through, and this is Kelman as he is now, or, or recently, um, it's described as this is uh, the literary version of this is Spinal Tap. I think that's overdoing <laughs> it. That's overdoing it a little bit. But um, does he go to Graceland and sing uh, harmonies? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I ah oh, had a really good time reading this. It was like catching up with an old pal, and a. Yeah, it, it's there's still big ideas, there's still philosophy, there's still anger at situations that you would expect, all of those things. But yeah, really, really enjoyable um, uh, dream. And a reminder, I've gone right back to the bus conductor, Hines, that it's always been a funny um, writer, you know, that he sees the, the humour and darkness a lot of the time. Um, yeah. Disaffection's another great example. Highly recommend that. Yeah, I've I've read bits of it, um, and um, what he done, what what what's done really well is I quite I really actually like it when it's it's a bit of a soft spot for me in books and in all culture actually is that sort of barely suppressed hysteria which could erupt at every moment at like the puzzlement of the world. <laughs> and why it's like that and I think he does that so so well where you know he, like he's just on the cusp of having an explosion <laughs> well, he's basically kind of going what the fuck's going on really, through, the whole, <laughs> through the whole book that's kind of you know and it's lovely to think how you know because he's basically on these university tours where he's expected to do all these certain things and like, oh, really I mean you want me to do that and I'm a writer I'm not a you know and I just feel that there's lots of frustration being uh, spent uh, from uh, that aspect of, of the book, how maybe the book world works these days, as opposed to it maybe did when he started out. Yeah, there are, there are you know, we can't deny that, you know, there's folk in the, in the business that you're just like, how are they? <laughs> how? <laughs> but there's lots of good folks too, and that's well, the main thing. Is. We'll be talking about more of them. Um, I've got a few novels I'd just like to mention, and I'll we'll have to do it quickly. Is that okay with you? Yeah. Any that you wanted to? Yeah, well, we do a sort of quick-fire flash. Quick fire round. Yeah, so <laughs> I wanted to talk about Philip Miller's The Golden Acre, which yes. is kind of, oh, man, we haven't even talked. I've just looked to my right and seen... We haven't talked about crime. crime. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a crime book, but it's a really classy crime book. It's kind of... Um, Set in the art world, set in the high art world, and um, yeah, I just absolutely loved it. I'll say that about all of these books, I have to say. <laughs> um, the latest in Olga Vochas's Miss Blaine's Prefect and the Weird Sisters this time around, uh, which is all things kind of Hamlet and, you know, all that kind of stuff. No, Hamlet. No, Macbeth. Macbeth. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Uh, Macbeth. Uh, yeah, again, always funny, always great to get those. Um, Donald S. Murray, another favourite writer of ours. The Call of the Corman, you've got that there. What a beautifully written... Oh, it's all, Donald's a beautiful writer, but it's taken a kind of a character from history um, and brought him to life. Certainly for me, I had no idea about this person. No, neither had I, yeah. Recently, um, and it's around about the time of the World Wars, and I think the character eventually moves from, um, I think, the Faroe Islands to Denmark to Berlin. Um, yeah, 
always good to, to read Donald. That was that was another book where I thought I knew what I was going to read when I started, and it just totally yeah, like confounded expectations. Really weird and some often dislikable character. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was a tall arse. Oh yeah, you agree with me. Uh, Liam Bell's Man at Sea, which is another kind of historical novel, and it was great to read something new from Liam because I've enjoyed his previous novels, um, and it's a about someone trying to go back and discover what had happened previously to them and then, you know, not being able to and actually having ulterior motives for going back to somewhere where he he was um, he was in a uh, flying a plane, was shot down and was injured and in the hospital and then fell in love with his nurse and, you know, all these kind of things. It's a lovely book. Um, another one, a one which really looked at old age in a beautiful and honest way was Martin Geraghty's Oh, yeah. uh -huh. You know, and George Bunce is in a kind of Largs, I think it might even be Largs. It was, I think it was Largs, yeah. Uh, uh, old folks home because he had to get out of his house and he really doesn't want to be there and he is fighting against the dying of the light and all of those things. And it's just such an honest look at what old age can mean and the, the, the things that come along with it. I think Martin's a great writer. I'm hoping there's something else coming from him very soon. Yeah, though that was a book that kind of had it, 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 you, you worried about the character so much, and yeah. so when he had these happy moments, you were you kind of punched the air. <laughs> yeah, it was a real punch the air like, things. You know, he gets through everything, and you can see why he's frustrated at everything. And uh, uh, yeah, uh, but there's little victories, and that's what he's carrying on those little victories. And one that I just finished recently because it's only oh, of course. It's F. David Ross's Dashboard Elvis is Dead. Yes, I finished that recently too. Oh, what did you think? I, just I loved it. it. That whole kind of uh, panoramic look at American culture and society. And, uh, you know, because I was thinking, how is he going to follow up his last book? Uh, because <laughs> it had just been, you know, so successful. It was shortlisted for the Saltires and... Um, yeah, I think it took his level, his writing to another level. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. How what he's done is by going to America and, and brilliantly yeah. looking at big themes of America and also through this always great soundtrack that he does with all his, his books. And <laughs> it's transatlantic as well, and he links it to events in Scotland. Yes, is a big theme that runs through the whole book, which is always a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> which is quite a David Keenan thing as well. <laughs> well, it is. I um, I uh, gave my top 10 books for Snack Magazine, uh, but it was before I'd read this, and I have to say, this would have featured, and I've still to do the Scots Way Hay version of it, and <laughs> I, if it goes up to 11. Just do a whole different up, one. Just, uh, this one goes up to 11. And, yeah, uh, he does this thing like he did it with Danny Garvey, and where you get to the end and you're and you you, you just oh, want to punch God. him. <laughs> you're I'm like, dare just you just do that to me? <laughs> taking the feet right out. Of you. I mean, I'm so. I mean, we can't give anything away, and of course, course I'm so distraught at the end of this book. Oh because my God! I mean, I think the central character, and I'll have to remember the name, Jude Montgomery, is one of the great characters I've read in recent times. She's so yeah. so good. I agree. There's so many moments where you're just like, no! <laughs> what are we going to do, Vicky? I mean, I know. I'm now I'm 15 in, and I've not even touched the crime pile, and I've got non-fiction and poetry. I think we might have to we split this too. into two. <laughs> yes. So, everyone, 
We're going to start with crime fiction. When you come back, we'll go through that quite quickly. Uh, but that is the end of this Scots We Hate podcast about the part one of their best books. We'll see you very soon for part two. Yeah.